One, two, ten. You're listening to the Claim the Throne Bloodcast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2015. Who is it? Come on in to the Claim the Throne Bloodcast with Cabra and Ash. Hello and welcome in for another episode. What the hell are you guys doing tuning in again? How are you going, Ash? I'm good, Cabra. That's good. I'm pretty <laughs> well too. That's good. Stoked to have a guest with us today. Uh, another interview with one fully sick cunt. Uh, he is from the band Dawn of a Zazzle. If I've even pronounced that right, we'll find out soon. If I haven't, I'll probably get bashed by the giant New Zealander. And his name is Rigel. How are you going today, bro? Tanakwe, bro. <laughs> 77. <laughs> yeah, good to have you here, man. Uh, yeah, those who don't know who Rigel is, his band is called Dawn of Azazel. Azazel, there you go. That's great. Ripping, they've been together for, I don't know, what, 15 years going on? Yeah. Long Gee, bloody 15, time. 16 now? Yeah, 16. Are you as old as Dicey? No one's that old. Yeah, no one is. <laughs> um, yeah. Not even God. <laughs> cool, man. We go on about our 10-year anniversary this year, but you've fucking trumped us quite easily. Um, yeah, so, and then you guys are over in Perth at the moment. They did play uh, only last week at the Rust in Perth Festival, and uh, they were very ripping. You can tell they've been together quite a while. Sounded very heavy, crushing even. Death thrash. <laughs> <laughs> Search Rigel Death Thrash on YouTube. Enjoy. So, question one, how many assholes have you eaten out across the world? <laughs> I think I've lost count, man. <laughs> a bit of a rim master. Define what you mean by arsehole and define what you mean by eat out. <laughs> probably. Uh, you can look at the show notes for pictures of what we're talking about. How many tin spaghetti pies have you eaten in your life? <laughs> That's my first one and really? I hope it's not my last. Oh, good. Yeah, you'll get another one pretty soon, I'd say. Yes. Um, we don't really know what we're talking about today yet, but uh, there's a, a bunch of stuff we'd love to find out. Probably a, a good uh, good way to start would just be asking a bit about um, your 15-year or so history in the band and the New Zealand metal scene, just who the fuck you are, mm-hmm. practically, if uh, people haven't heard of you. <coughs> far away. So is this the old uh, biography introduction? Yeah, yeah. That right, one. so so we are called um, Dawn of Azazel, and that's... The- <laughs> um, so we've been around uh, since about 999 uh, We come from New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand um, And we play, I guess you would For lack of a better word I fucking hate genres and Death thrish Boxes and that sort of Or not death, I'd say death metal But oh, yeah. anyway, shit like that uh, We have put out We've just put out our fourth album uh, The Tides of Damocles uh, Which we recorded over in uh, Tampa, Florida Uh January last year. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, we've been all around the world, Europe, America, Thailand, Indonesia, Australia, of course. And um, yeah, I've been playing away for 15 years, as you said. Fucking sick. How was that? Uh, is the new album good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not bad, man. You know, it's the treasure VB for it. How about that? Yeah, done. About- I did notice because... The audience doesn't know you were on the seventy thousand a ton, seventy thousand of tons, seventy thousand tons of metal cruise in the states that we were on as watchers and as players, and you were the highlight easily of the trip. <laughs> Drunk as fuck, up at all hours of the morning, getting late night pizza every day, rimming, rimming, <laughs> fucking, you name it. But yeah, you had uh, you had those little digi packs or little mini, yeah, promo things, yeah, 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 yeah the QR had, codes and yeah, yeah, that was pretty fucking inventive. Yeah, I mean, it was a case of, because uh, we did it ourselves, this last album. It's the first one we self-released, all our other ones have been on um, Agonia Records, Ibex Moon Records, and Unique Leader uh, were our previous three albums. And this one we decided to do the self-release sort of thing. <coughs> so it was a case of, um, it was a little bit, we almost signed um, with Unique Leader again. And there's a couple of other labels we were talking to, and so it was a bit up and down for a, it was when we recorded it, we were just like, let's get over there and get it done and figure out the business side of things next because we'd taken a few um, years off really from playing at that stage. So we were a little unsure about where we were sitting about putting it out and getting back on, on track with all this. Um, and so we weren't quite ready to have them printed in time to be on 7,000 tons, but I thought, you know, hey, there's going to be a bunch of people that I know, um, bound to meet some other people that are worth um, connecting with. So we used the, using Bandcamp just. Um, did the old QR code, so we you know wrote, uh, printed up a uh, 
nice little card sort of version. Luckily, um, Joe, my guitar player, works in a printing store, so we do that quite easily mm. to facilitate that sort of stuff. But um, it was just an easy way to, to, I mean, like to print our CDA, it's expensive and, you know, you have to print the actual physical CD. But as a promo thing, it's it's pragmatic and then it's, you know, all you, yeah, it's digital, so you don't need to go through the pressing costs. But as far as sh- shipping and carrying that around goes, you know, I had 500 of them in a, in a nice little bundle, mm. um, you know, which is more than we'd even need to, on something like that. But it's easy enough to do them, you know, which if you press 500 CDs, it's very expensive and you only get damaged whatever you know it's just on a nice little card thing like that create this great little promotional looking pamphlet if you like for the album it looks which, pro you know, as a way to, to end it up well i mean we're lucky we had the artwork and everything ready to go it was just a case of um didn't want to give out the album before the actual release of it um but yet um you know one some that looked you know professional and, and looked cool and so that was a really good solution to that problem you know some people you know some people are a little against it i mean i gave it to like nurgle and was hanging out with those guys and they call me a Jew for not giving them a real CD, you know, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> so yeah, some people are going to say that, but you know, I think, you know, a situation like that where you, you can't press it or, or and for logistically it's, you know, too heavy or whatever to, to carry around. It's a go- nice little solution. And to be honest, most people are, would rather just download it than have to deal with fucking annoying CD and shit anyway these days. Of course, you know? man. Festivals, the amount of CD, like promo CDs you see scattered all over the festival grounds is mm. just ridiculous how much of a You're waste a it is. Bum, so. man. Um, so people would literally they scan the the code and it takes them to your Bandcamp page. And is there a, was a whole album there or a few songs? Yeah, I mean, there's a number of different platforms and websites you can do it through nowadays. But we just found Bandcamp was easier for that, and yeah. they generate the QR codes. I guess there's the you. option to purchase there as well when they're at the yeah yeah yeah. Site. So you can. I mean, at that stage you couldn't because it wasn't out, but you can do it through that. You know, you can do the digital download where you get a QR code. Bandcamp gives it net you in any format you like. You know, um, FLAC. Wave, MP3, the whole bunch of other options. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, freedom once you've got the code to get it the way you want it. And as I said, you know, I mean, I've, I've got CDs, but, you know, I mean, I was just coming to your house before, we see this massive stack of CDs, same thing at my place, you know. Yeah. It's good to have, I like to have them and have the package, but, you know, the realistic thing is, you know, for most people, it's just something you've got to try and squeeze into a corner of your house somewhere that you yeah. don't have, you know. So to give it digital and have that option available for a lot of people, I think it's just it's the, way the way it is now, you know sick and did did it work or pretty hard to like see stats and whatnot i mean you can yeah i mean that's the good thing is you can't see that you can't see this track it individually and that you can't i can't say i know that i gave you this code and see if you have downloaded it or not but you can see download as in dates times numbers you know that sort of thing so it's good for analytics was there Um, a boost after the cruise (coughs) well i mean it wasn't out yet so so um no i mean you can definitely see the other people that I'm pretty sure everyone that I could, from what I, you know, obviously I was fighting and toxicated to be keeping a, a meticulous <laughs> records, but from what I could gather, pretty sure everyone that I gave it to downloaded it and that was cool to see. But, you know, it's cool to see like who gets it straight away or who does it a while on. And once you've got it out on Bandcamp, you know, there's a lot of great analytics that come through there about um, what websites are referring you through, um, you know, how and the degree and times at which people order stuff and and download it etc etc and then i think that's invaluable information you know and if you are doing it yourself that's one really uh, big plus for me was that data is said if you know how to use it and you can employ it the right way is really you know like gold um, and if you are doing a label they have that information whereas we have it now and we've got a very you know we can see which countries play whatever song you know the great thing about the streaming app is, is the great one <clears throat> you can see how many people play um I think they cut off at like 10%, they call it skip. You know, anything between 0 and 10%, they call it skip. 10% through to 60, they call it a half play or something, and 60 through to the end is full play. And so you can get a pretty good idea looking at that. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, a lot of people are going to start on the first song and they're going to play less and less as you go through it, you know, because people are just going to lose interest or have something else to do. But you can see certain songs that, you know, for far further down the track listing that people would play a lot more, or the skip to full play ratio would be you know, in a, in a really good way and say, oh, well, that's obviously a song that, you know, people wow. are, there's oh, a good really consensus cool. that that's a good track. So, you know, let's put that one live while let's try and emphasize that. And there's, you know, there's a couple of ones that we were, you know, when you're doing it yourself and you're so caught up in the project, it's a little hard to get that distance and decide, you know, I think that's a good song, but how other people that haven't heard it might perceive it as different. Mm. And so the information you get from the analytics is really invaluable. We've got band camp as well, but mm. I'd, I'd have to pick Cabba's brain about it, but. <clears throat> Fuck, we don't use it like that, and we really should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's difficult because <clears throat> I mean, we, once the album was out, we did it exclusively. Did it pre-order on Bandcamp, um, just because 
and that was mainly you know iTunes and all that sort of carry on. Um, you just you, you don't get the money until quite a few months down the line. Whereas mm. Bandcamp, there's a slightly more fees, but it's instant, you know, which I, is makes a lot more sense to my mind. Um, and I mean, like, there's a good example of a band at home called Tainted who uh, I know those put guys. out yeah, yeah they put out their own uh, CD as well, and they managed to get. They're like in the top 20 or even top 10 of iTunes at home, you know, really? just because they're pre-orders, you know. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we could have, uh, you know, achieved a similar or possibly even better feat if we'd done it. But they did it exclusively through iTunes to mm-hmm. facilitate that. And that's a good, that looks good on, you know, on your Facebook or as a promotional yeah. thing. But at the end of the day, you're not getting that money for months later and all that sort of carry on. And to my mind, a lot of the way that the game shifted now was... Yes, that's back in the day. That's the sort of thing that you throw around and say, "Hey, we're an amazing, famous band. Look at that." But if you're getting cheated out of the cash, or it's not working out for you, I don't care how famous you think we are. You know what I mean? It's mm. it's, it's about prioritizing ourselves first. Yeah. So I found Bandcamp for all those reasons was the you know the the best of the available options for you know for releasing and facilitating getting out to people. And with the streaming thing that you're talking about, is that the Bandcamp streaming? Yeah, sorry, that's what I was saying. Those stats are good, but I mean, you've got things like, say, Spotify and a number of other options that, you know, or even iTunes and those sort of things where people can stream it. So that is only one of certain number of options, and that's something to be aware of too. You know, we're talking about the stats of this is a particular segment of people who are going to go through there, and although we are pushing Bandcamp, there's certain people who are going to be, you know, Spotify is their thing or iTunes mm. is their thing, and they're going to go through and probably go through that uh, avenue there. So... I mean, you, you got to be careful with those stats, but it does give you a good wet finger on yeah you know, how this kind of stuff works out. How do you manage Spotify and iTunes, or don't you? <coughs> we we don't really. I don't really bother with. Um, you know, we went through CD Baby to mm-hmm. to put it out. So I mean, they took care of the whole logistics of of getting it out. Um, but uh, um, as far as managing that stuff goes, no. I mean, you you don't really. That all goes through CD Baby, and they're very locked off. You know, self-contained with iTunes and Spotify and that sort of carry on. Mm-hmm. Bandcamp's a lot more open, you know, to your own sort of control, and that's why we liked it as well because you've got that. Um, you're not dealing with that third party. It's a lot more um, in your own hands about how it works out. So, just a, a far superior platform in my mind for a, yeah. for a self-release band. When you signed up with Bandcamp, did you do it because of the stats, or is that something you discovered after you did it? Um, I did. I mean, the stats actually was was something that I found out after I'd pretty much already made the mind up. But a lot of it was the revenue, how quickly it was going to come through, and the fact that you know, with with iTunes, it, it's kind of a, going through a third party. iTunes is paying CD Baby, and then CD Baby is paying you. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot. It's a lot less transparent. Whereas like Bandcamp is pretty. You know, someone <coughs> buys it on there, and it straight away shows up in your email that someone's purchased it. You know, so it's a, it's a lot more transparent. You know, so I think. As a self-managed band, if you're going to go for that angle, mm. it's a far better partner to, you know, use as your main point of um, point of contact to use. I mean, you always want to have Google and iTunes and Spotify for those sort of things because, you know, um, Bandcamp isn't that great as far as the apps on the phones. I mean, a lot of people got Spotify, but I doubt many people have got the Bandcamp app on their phone. You know, didn't even know they had one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you, I mean, you can't stream through that, but you know, I was talking to um, Chris Merrick who did a. PR in Australia as well. He said, you know, he was big on uh, Google Play and iTunes just because it's quite difficult to order through bank it through your cell phone. You mm-hmm. know, so a lot of people are, yeah, you know, more and more moving. So it's got <clears> pros and cons, but I think you know, for those reasons, it's about saying what is most important to me. You know, do I want to be the number one song on Spotify or that sort of stuff, or do I want to make sure that I've got control of my music and I know where the revenue stream is coming from, and mm. you know. Certainly, at the stage we're at, you know, being famous and being, oh, you know, everyone's talking about us. This is, I don't care, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, we've got our fans and we're doing what we're doing. What's far more important um, is having the control of your stuff and doing it the way you want to do it, and not being able to be beholden to some other. Because you might as well be signed to record label if you're going to go that angle. Yeah, you know? and fucking hell, man, uh, Balacor. Always shit on about Balacor on this show, <laughs> but yeah, same thing. I bought one of their. Digital downloads, they had a sale put on a something. dollar into the Balacor jar. A dollar into the Balacor jar. Yeah, yeah, the swear jar. Yeah, um, yeah it cost me, whatever, six bucks or something for yeah. their CD, which I've already got multiple yeah. formats because I <laughs> want to suck that band off. But yeah, I just go get Tom an email back. Boxes. But hey, Ash, thanks for, thanks for buying it. Yeah, yeah. Hope you guys are doing good. And that, I mean, that's something I haven't... Unfortunately, the way it panned out was we... Um, 
was supposed to be uh, putting out about three weeks before it actually came out. Mm-hmm. And um, just the way it panned out is, you know, I'm pretty much the guy in the band that does the um, organization, takes care of those sort of things. Mm. And I just had a really f- uh, mad stick um, run of work, you know, which is great for me because it's, you know, maybe a ton of cash. But, <clears throat> um, you know, I haven't quite had the chance to go and do some of those things, which is there to be had. And that is something I've definitely been thinking about. I need to... Um, chase it up but it's just having you know when someone orders your CD on Bandcamp you've got their address you've got their email you know got that stuff and like I know that that guy um, you know if someone had pre-ordered my CD with any of our previous albums I would never have known whereas now um, you go to a show uh, I remember when it came out the first show that we played was um, supporting Suffocation Decapitated at Home and there's a couple of people there, you know, A, I could say, which is great for the postage of, hey, can I just give it to you at the show and <laughs> save mm, myself a couple mm. of bucks? But also, you know, be able to, like, know that this guy, you know, went to the trouble of buying it rather than downloading it, which, you know, don't, wouldn't hold them against them. But the fact that people would choose to do that, you know, appreciate it, brother, you know, and be able to have that personal connection mm. of knowing who those people were and seeing who bought what. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a pretty cool thing to have as well, you know. I think more and more music has moved in that direction. And my personal philosophy with the band is um, that's what I really want is something which is very organic grassroots. You know the people that like your stuff, you you hang out with them, you have a, a drink with them as opposed to being this super famous rock star who doesn't even know who these people are. You know, that that's far more important to me as far as the age and stage that I'm at, what you want to get out of a band. You know, it's a real human connection with people. Mm. So so for all those reasons, band camps are a great um, medium to, to get your music out for me. That's a pretty good plug for Bandcamp, eh? We yeah, use Bandcamp yeah. as well, and I've got to say, it is awesome when you get an email to say such and such has downloaded your album, cha-ching, here's 10 bucks, mm. as opposed to when you get a, an order through Big Cartel where you get the email and you go, oh, I've got to go to the post office now and pay <laughs> fucking $20 to post this T-shirt, which is still awesome, don't get me wrong, but it is um, it is nice. You don't have to do a single thing once you sell but- on Bandcamp. Um do you guys use Reverb Nation at all? Uh, not really. I think that's a bit of a, like it's it's its own. I think the um, ranking tail wagging the dog, really that sort of thing. Hey, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, they're always posting those, you know, participate in this thing, or you can get signed to that. Yeah. And I think they say there's more musicians on, on Reverb Nation than there are actual people that listen to music. <laughs> Something like that, big pun. Um, You're some gassy like as that. fuck, eh? So spaghetti pies on the back. Edit the fuck out okay. of that. <laughs> Keep that if in. You need me to. Um, but they, yeah, I mean, they, uh, to my mind, Reverb Nation has got a lot of just, we used to use it because it, it's player, solely because it's media player was all right, and we had some issues with, um, uh, every time I'd put, say, uh, one of our previous ones on SoundCloud, you get some copyright infringement thing because I owned it. Didn't want to deal with the whole rigmarole, so Reverb Nation mm. doesn't have that issue, so I'd chuck them on there. But I don't, I don't really rate Reverb Nation. I think it's just, you know, there's a whole, like, you're the number one famous, you know, biggest band in metal genre in in Auckland, like, wow, cool. You know, like, that's really something for us, man, I tell you. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. So that, that, you know, I think it is, you know, for, for bands that are you know, not wanting to bag anyone that might be in this position, but, you know, a young band that's looking to do whatever they can and pay whatever they can to get heard and get that thing out there, Reverb Nation, maybe there's a market for it. But I think a lot of promoters and websites like that are moving to a thing now where they've realised that there are a lot of young people with money to spare that will throw money and any opportunity to get their band out there and we're kind of at a different age and stage than that you know what I mean so I, I don't think it's really a relevant format for us or a, a platform to get our shit out there Bandcamp's way better and uh, you know I was talking about that reminded me as well that people can say you know Bandcamp they order it you know we had a few of those so, hey can you guys all sign it and send it to blah 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 and the ability to have that which you don't have with iTunes or you know any other way to order it that's really cool as well to allow that allow that sort of personal communication. That's you know it's really important. Wicked. Only um, I guess with Reverb Nation, um, apart from the ranking system thing, they have like you can do your digital distro through it, so you get all the analytics to tell you how many downloads mm. you've got via iTunes or what's mm. happening through Spotify and that sort of thing as well, and mm. it makes it kind of easy just to. You've already sort of got your songs uploaded mm. there, and then they just do all the work for you. I haven't actually looked into that, so that's um, quite interesting. I don't know how <coughs> you get on Spotify with your stuff. Have you got? Yeah, we, you we mentioned yeah, your distro. We, we've uh, no, we haven't put any merch on there yet. You know, it's a little um, with Spotify. I think you have to get two hundred and fifty subscribers before they let you become an official owner of the, mm. and you can have all that sort of influence on it. We're not quite there yet. We mm. stats are going quite quickly on there, but um. 
we're not quite there at that stage yet. But I think with well, a lot of those ones, man, it's 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 really about a game of thrones, particularly with oh, Game of Thrones, of course. Nazi. Claim, a claim of thrones. Um, it, it's it's a hard um, a hard thing to make about the the mind shift of back in the day, and you guys would know this this thing of of when you're a band, it was all about. You know, do whatever you do and, and, you know, kiss whatever ass you have to kiss to, to get signed by this thing. And once you got that, you're done. You know, you're sussed. Whereas now that that is, you know, these labels, you know, even the, the biggest ones out there, what they can do for you is far more limited. And the world is such, you know, getting a bit older as well. It's not, you know, I don't want to run around all these circles just to get signed on, you know, Nuclear Blast, for example. You know what I mean? Mm. It's a lot more about thinking what what is this you know what's in this for me you know how does this work out for me in my particular situation and the technology is there for, to facilitate that for you you know that not everyone wants to be <coughs> touring all the you know hundred percent of the year and and living the rock and roll lifestyle for some people they just want it as a nice little hobby on the side whatever that is for you the ability now is that you've got the freedom to work out what that specific mix is for you and work out a way to deliver that for you. And I think a lot yeah. of people are play, playing to that game, you know, of still believing that, you know, we've got to run around all these crazy circles to get famous. But, uh, you know, great example for me is, is uh, I remember Jim, um, you know, from from uh, Clone Throne telling me about on Entrails, when they did a tour in the States, um, they got an RV and they just pretty much just worked in the mines for another week and just all chipped in <laughs> and, yeah. and paid for it. You know, whereas the number of bands that would work for years and years, um to get enough, you know, hopefully that the promoter would pay you, you know, in the States so that you could afford an RV. You know, if, you, if you're if driving an RV in the States, you're doing pretty well as far as bands goes, whereas, you know, that's a great example of fuck, you know, playing the game and getting run around by all these idiots. Let's just get a job where we can make, you know, an extra couple of grand in a couple of weeks and just pay for it ourselves. And then we don't have to be beholden to all these fucking... <laughs> scumbag cunts you know what I mean and we just say oh fuck you I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to play your stupid game so no you know we'll just, you know, we'll just pay for it and that's that whole buy on thing yeah, where they kind exactly. of hang you over a barrel Dep- I mean like we, we've had good experience with bonds. I mean when we did our last Europe tour and that was back in 2007 with um, Immolation and Chrisian we played uh, it was about from memory it was 4,000 euro and for that we were on a nightliner <clears throat> the three of us we had, you know, food, accommodation, full crew, um, all the backline provided. So, you know, it worked out to something around about in Australian dollars would be like maybe 130, 140 Australian dollars a day each. Mm-hmm. And when you consider all that, that you don't have to worry. It's you practically know, you just, free. Really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, there's quite a, quite a few nights where, you know, you know, we're pretty diligent about trying to help out and make sure that we load out the gear. But there are a couple of nights, man, we're just absolutely smashed. Wake up at like two o'clock in the afternoon right out of the bunk and everything's all set up there for you and, you know, that, that it's ready to go. Someone's selling your merch, someone's doing your sound. All you have to do is get up there and play on stage, you know, and, and that, for the money that you're paying, that's, that's a pretty good deal in my mind, you yeah. know. How many shows was uh, that? 36, yeah, six shows. weeks, 36 shows. Right. So, you know, that, that's, a, that's, that's a good deal, you know. And it's not always that cheap, but, you know, to my mind, I would rather, yeah, especially where I am in this stage and stage for that same thing, I'd rather just, find out figure out how to get a job or a situation where you can make that extra money and pay it so you don't have to stress about this sort of shit you know and rely on these fucking unreliable unreliable people to deliver it you know when you can be secure and you can control that shit yourself you know and i guess maybe that's um because we've also had a great experience with the buy on when we did our uk tour Mm. same thing we paid about 10 grand to be on a bus oh less even less even and then yeah, we had a backline. We had all the sorts, all all the shit that you talk about, and same thing. You just mm. it, a total mess, and you wake up and you're there, and everything's yeah, yeah. awesome. I, I think where we looked at the negative side of it were bands that were doing that, and we tried to say like buying on and buying in, so there was money like a pay to play situation yeah, yeah. on top of that, and a lot of bands that we've heard rumours about at very least, or if not known. Have gone to the states and they'll be on like they'll be opening this massive festival or something like that, mm. but they'll pay ten grand just to fucking yeah be there, and then on top of that, they're paying for their accommodation, and it's not a nightliner and X Y Z. Yeah, it's yeah, paying yeah. to get on stage, and yeah. you've got to figure out everything else yourself. I, I mean, I, I I see it as you know, it's just like business of any other sense. You know, people are going to try and hustle you, and they're going to throw things. You got to be able to negotiate. You got to be able to you know the point where you 
you know, walk away and say, nah, you know, th- that would be cool, but not for $10,000, you know, whatever it might be, you know. So, so it's, it's a little bit of that sort of now going on, but it is, you know, very much of, like you guys are saying, I, you know, I, I would rather pay some extra money to not have to worry and to be able to enjoy it, to m- make the most out of it, to not have to stress about it. Um, I think that's worth paying for. You know, our experience touring the States with Vital Remains and Incantation, that was, you know, we had to pay for our own um, uh, transportation. We had to sort ourselves out. You know, we, we luckily we had Incantation help us out with the backline and the sound dude. <clears throat> but, um, you know, pretty much we're on our own things as far as getting ourselves to the show, uh, getting the transportation, getting the ACOM, and that was a fucking nightmare, man. You know, we, we paid, how much we would have paid for it? It was three weeks and we paid probably about an AUD, it would have been 3000-ish, you know, to rent the car, to get the insurance, to get the extra couple of drivers and that kind of stuff. We were in a shitty minivan, you know, like putting a sign out that the merch desk, you know, hey, has anyone got a place to stay tonight? Mm-hmm. You know, getting in a hotel on the odd day and like trying to actually sleep in this ridiculous situation of a van just to get by. Like, man, I'd rather throw in some extra cash just to, you know, to be able to have a, a decent sleep, to be able to relax, to have fun, to enjoy it, you know, because it comes through with how you perform on stage as well. And so it's that shift of... Am I going to try and, you know, we, we all know how hard it is to try and scrape pennies together and make money from music nowadays. You know, if if you see it as a job or a revenue sk- stream, you're, you're a fucking idiot in my mind. Um, better to see a way of, as I said, you know, this is an expensive hobby and how can you make enough money out of your situation at home where it can help it out and hopefully the band does enough where, you know, you pays for a good chunk of it and you just need to kind of top it up yourself to be able to have a really good time and, you know, live like a rock star, you know, in quotation marks, you know what I mean? I would rather have that existence than, you know, try and figure out how to kiss the ass of someone on the other side of the world where they would pay me rim some someone. amount of money. Yeah. Or rim someone else on the other side of the world, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's in terms of, I guess, yeah, having having a job in, in one life and being a rock star in the next life, I mean, you're a pretty professional dude. You've always had uh, no career paths and stuff as far as we're aware anyway. Do you think it's hard to balance those two things? Like, you know, you got to get annual leave or whatever to go on tours. Do you have, uh, I don't know, what, what's your background like there? And Well, I mean, my... I talk about it, Rigel. <laughs> my old job, uh, which some people may or may not know for the majority of the time that we've been playing was in the police. And that was actually a really good... Um, the band? Is it in the pl- No, I wish, man. Fuck. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. I love this place. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, this is the other police. It kind of sucks. Um, the pigs. <laughs> the, the pigs, bro. Yeah. The fucking <laughs> pigs, bro. Um, but that was really good, man. You know, they were really good. They were good annual leave allowance. I think it was close to two months a year. You know, if you're on shift work, you know, with all the other, you know, and, and uh, wouldn't have paid overtime, but if you. It was kind of shitty over time, actually. It was like if you work more than eight hours over in a week, you get starts to add up hour per hour, so it's not that great. But there's you know a couple of other allowances that if you work in shift, you get something close to two months a year, which is good, you know, as far as the time off goes. But it is balancing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you type my name in Google, you'll see um, sometimes if you've got a very clean cutish sort of job, you know, it can kind of come come back to haunt you. And that's something to balance. But I think it's more and more, you know, that that hat went down like sort of 10 years ago, you know, so the world we are in now is a lot more open and honest and people are a lot more real about realizing that, you know, I remember when you're a kid and they're like, oh, you play that heavy metal music and, you know, you, you've got to be like worshipping Satan and killing cats and all that sort of, you know, people are a bit more mature about it nowadays, you know what I mean? They realize you can be into all this weird kind of stuff and not be a fucking psychopath. You know, I think the internet's responsible for a lot of that, which is good. But I mean, there's still, you still got to deal with some of the, the cultural aspects of it. But I think it is, um, you know, part of why I left that job was was two things. One was, um, you know, just fucking sick of the whole culture of it and having to deal with some of the head fucks that goes on like that. Yeah, try being a cop in Auckland, eh? Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> it's terrifying driving there at night, let alone fucking <laughs> being a cop. But it's not. It's not just that. It's it's that you know anyone that's worked in a reasonably you know straight laced job, you know, not hospo or something like that, where you've you know tattoos or something that we can show you true colours a bit more. Where you've got to you know wear a corporate-y sort of thing or you know dress a certain way. There's a, a pressure on 
um, your soul, if you like, you know what I mean? It kind of bends you into the shape you don't want to be for eight hours a day and that can fuck with your brain. And, um, you know, the police, you know, they were kind of, in some ways, they're really good, but in other ways it was um, definitely an organisation that, you know, will kind of bend you into thinking one way of, you know, no matter how defiant you are, it's going to shape the way you think. So I was, you know, it's kind of wanted to get out of that uh, vice, if you like, but also trying to, you know, now when I'm doing self-employed, it's 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 hard not having the consistent paycheck, but the freedom of creating a situation where I am now where um, I'm getting pretty good money for what I'm doing, but also be able to like, you know, hang out here in Perth for a couple of weeks, not having to get annual leave, you know, being the master of your own schedule. I think that more and more is if you want to do music, um, you know, it's a serious thing. It's something you've got to try and figure out. There's a lot of ways out there, and the internet facilitates these these things to happen. You've just got to be a bit of a hustler and be creative about the way you can do it. But um, I think more and more about professional musicians are not going to be people that live off music and as a rock star in the old school traditional sense. The more people that have a situation where they can go on tour for two weeks or three weeks, and they probably don't make a ton of money, but they make enough to survive, and they've got a situation or a uh, you know, however they make the cash where they can come back and take a couple of months off and still be able to keep things going. So, I mean, that 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 would be the, the you know, my take on how this goes is that it's hard to balance and, and if you really want to do this as a serious thing, you know, which I do and I really want to keep plugging away at music until I can't play music anymore because I'm an old decrepit cunt, um, <laughs> is... is um, you got to figure out. You've got to figure out a way to have your own professional situation. You know, your job, whatever it might be, where you can somehow convince people to let you fuck off to some other place for a, you know, for a couple of, you know, a couple of months, really, a, a year, if things are going all well. Um, but also be able to pay your bills at home. You know, and it's out there. You've just got to, you know, it's it's kind of scary trying to figure it out, especially having left such a stable job like the police was to to try and get a situation where you can. But if it's what you want, you've definitely that's the change you got to try and make, and it, it's out there to be found. You know, you just got to go out and learn a little bit and have a bit of faith in yourself. And but uh, you know, I think relying on music as a way to um, support yourself is 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 not the future. You need to be creative and think about how you can get a job or some other shit that enables you to mesh the two together. Ripper, dude, fuck yeah, good answer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, mega just, mega long rant. <laughs> yeah, highlights yeah how important money can be. So I mean, if if you've only got two months a year and you get two months worth of touring, you got to really make it count, and you got to yeah. you know make the most of your money. Don't blow it on some shitty buy on uh, that's not going to be beneficial <laughs> or whatever. Save it for some really awesome tour, and um, yeah, make it count. And I guess if you you know if you have two months per year leave, but you get four months worth of touring offers then what can you get unpaid leave as well some employers will help you out with it as well i guess as a self-employed decrepit cunt like rigel you'd be <laughs> sweet but my my one um, could have you know you could have had that but you got to make that it's that thing of some point if you all goes according to plan um you know that is potentially gonna come up and what are you going to choose you know are you going to quit your job so that you can tour four months a year and I mean, that's a difficult one to answer, man. Like I could see, I could see answering both ways to that. You know, on the one hand, you want to follow your passion, but the other one, let's not be an idiot, man. You know, this is you're going to take four months off and you have a great time, and then you're going to have these bills to pay, and you are the guy that kind of got ripped by believing this, you know, dream which doesn't add up to reality. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's a hard one to do, and I think that's what it's really about is is getting a a good picture on, you know, what does music mean for you rather than yeah, the old model, which is just like play a million shows, give everything you got at it, and you'll you'll get signed to the magic deal, and you don't have to worry anymore. You can just live like a rock star. That's that's not going to happen, you know. I mean, so you need to think of a smarter plan, and you need to be a bit more creative and have a bit more vision about where you're going with this shit. Good stuff. I've quit a few jobs over the years and time it like just before going on a tour, so save up your annual leave payment and whatever, and get paid out as you leave. But then you do get back and you're stuffed for a while, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. Or Jim yeah. finds it hard at the moment because he's juggling Claim the Throne with Distant Tomb mm. and Entrails is like not really doing anything at the moment. Yeah. Because, I guess, because he's so busy elsewhere. He's and his he's eggs scattered mm. across baskets. Mm. He does. And he's, yeah, struggling to pick up work because... That wasn't me, by the way. <laughs> it was only for short periods. I but did yeah, not he say gets, period. Because let's say you've got that two months a year or something like that, and Jim's not quite in that situation. Mm. He's like halfway between a self-employed. He's like a contractor, basically. 
And if there's con- if the contracts aren't on at the time that you've got that you're available to work, what the mm. fuck do you do? And, and it's a hard thing to do, man, because, I mean, like I said, you've <coughs> got to make that call of, you know, he is really, out of the people that I know personally uh, really well, he's probably the guy who's the closest to living the dream as far as touring and being on, you know, doing music all the time. But, man, you've got to make a call at some point about, you know, how how if this all falls over in five years or you break your arm or some unforeseen circumstances happens you know how are you setting yourself up for the future you know what's the 10 year plan for this sort of carry on and and you know that's that thing of when you know be careful what you wish for because you might get it and that's kind of i guess you know without wanting to to jump into jim's shoes here you know someone that someone that situation might have and anyone that might be listening that's in that role might come across of it's great to be on tour all the time but when you have to make the choice between making you know a couple of grand and going on tour and this is the you know fourth or fifth one you've been on this year. Yeah, you know, it's a bit of a difficult decision to make. You know, like I'm luckily now, like what I'm doing, which is um, sort of teaching facilitation sort of stuff. And it's really good where I get paid, you know, close to a you know a grand or possibly even more a day. And it's higgledy piggledy here and there. But I'm certainly probably possibly going to have to deal with the same situation at some point of deciding. You know, do I want to? I mean, I've got this tour and right in the middle there's a thing where I could make sort of six grand if I, you know, had say, for example, six days of work straight in the middle there. To give that up to be on tour in, you know, Europe for the, you know, let's say it's the second or third time that year or within a couple of years, that's a tough decision to make, man. You know, I mean, that's that's some money that you might not get otherwise, might not come around, you don't know when your next paycheck is. So balancing those things out and having a really clear set of goals and priorities about what you're about and being able to make those decisions quickly without, you know, I mean, our ingredient later. That's that's a big part of I think what you need to have as a musician in this day and age as well. You mentioned <clears throat> on the car ride on the way over that you use Evernote, and are you familiar with that, Kaba? I am because I listen to the Entrepreneurs on Fire podcast, and he mentions that every single episode, which is once a day. Thank and, you, uh, you goddamn fucking nerd. Yeah, but I've never <laughs> actually used it myself. I've looked into it a bit. It looks pretty awesome. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't use it myself, I, I would. I would. Yeah. I would. I think I'd just like freak out. If I hadn't have that anymore, I don't know how I'd keep organised with all my shit without something like Evernote. And that's in your business life, but do you roll that over into music as well? Oh, massively, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, for me, the big thing, if you're talking about balancing business and life, um, uh, there's a thing in it, um, I actually forget the term for it, but I've been, um, uh, I was looking into it a couple of months ago and I really want to do some more reading into it. Um, but it's basically that you're, when your brain, when you're shifting between priorities, like you're thinking about, let's say you're thinking about um, your hobby at home and then you start thinking about your job kind of shit. To make that shift of being able to th- um, get in the zone and not forget all those little bits and pieces it takes about half an hour of time. And so the, the hardest thing is when you're doing a band and you've got your job and, you know, maybe you've got your personal life. You've got all these sort of fragmented worlds that don't list, exist in the same ego space. If you're shifting between all three of them and you're multitasking, like it, it can, A, it's, it creates really strong anxiety in your brain that's been researched. But it's also, you just forget all those little bits and pieces and then you remember, oh, that's right, I'm supposed to pick up the eggs when I'm supposed to be coming home because I've been th- thinking about the band, you know, all, all day or freaking about something else. So balancing those kind of things is really hard and it's your brain just isn't equipped to do it. And so something like Evernote is something that I use religiously because if I don't write down that one thing I'm supposed to remember today, like it's, it's gone, man. It's fucking gone. Mm. So so I do that. I've got like a list for – got notebook for band, for my work stuff, for my like day-to-day schedule, for all sorts of carry-on like that. You know, and it's a really good thing to – for me, it's the ultimate of like I'll read about something or someone will talk about some website or some piece of gear or something and I'll jot it down there for it disappears off to the space of being lost forever in my memory mm. and it's a really good way to, to just keep all that stuff together hard to like come back and keep it organized but a really good way to just forget that brain fade sort of shit mm. Wicked. we've spoken a few times in the past on this show about uh, places where you really get your your memory or your mind and your juices flowing of where you're thinking about the things that are actually important, so it might be like the shower or the gym or in the, the toilet, fucking toilet or the garden or wherever you are. Having a sick nasty. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no follow-up question to that. But would you ever consider giving wristies for money on tour if you were getting low on cash? Well, I mean, you talk about it. You know, there's a lot of bands that give those. You know, kind this of wasn't a serious question. But I love um, your answering it. 
it's a serious it's, it's a serious matter, when you're man, an entrepreneur you know? Know? yeah yeah exactly man you know there's bands like giving lessons on vocals and guitar and you know so if, if that's your talent you know you can, give wristies you gotta capitalize on it. yeah 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 if you're really good at giving wristies man like mm. it could make you more than than you make off your door take every night you know? or merch you know have you ever uh, looked into brazilian cake farts <laughs> I, I'm and I'm well of Brazilian fart porn, but not Brazilian cake farts. Mm. Is that farting on cakes? Yeah, okay. really I've close to the it. cake, so you can see the the icing move as it farts really? from the well, wind, and and then they eat the cake. And I guess the issue not. with like giving wristies on tour would be there's some RSI <laughs> sort of you know issues potentially. You, mm. you definitely want to be make sure you're doing some good warm ups. You um, want to see a physician, you know, before you go on tour. Where I first met you, which I can't even remember what year that was, when Discord went through New Zealand? Yes. And do you remember when that was? I think it was 2009, maybe? 2008? 2000, yeah, something like that. Anyway. Yeah, one of those years. Um, on that tour, we had a week in Sydney. And we were all, Owen and I had this thing on tour where we try and live on $10 a day just to be able to last through the whole tour without blowing too much cash. Anyway, I could never stick to it. It's impossible. He was fucking good at it. And we'd do things where we'd go in together, $5, and we'd get like a, a side of beef that was on special. And then you'd cut it in half and go down to a park and cook a, you know, you'd have yeah. like half a kilo of meat each, basically, and that'd feed you for the day. Anyway, he tried to not quite give wristies, but he tried to busk in Sydney during peak hour. Did not make a fucking cent. And I was supposed to go with him just with a pair of drumsticks and like mm -mm. do some shit. I was too embarrassed. I couldn't do it. <laughs> but yeah, he really tried for like two hours or something like that. Just, well, he'll correct me on that probably half an hour. Nothing, yeah. nothing. And it's a bit like that on tour. Like you can't, unless you're selling shirts or unless you're selling CDs or something mm -hmm. like that, you're not working. So you're not getting paid. <laughs> There's got to be something. I see it as like in, in two minds, man. Like, you know, I mean, yes, you got to be like as creative and as much of a hustler as possible. And that, you know, I see the whole giving lessons thing is one angle of that. And there's a number of ways you could cut it. But the other angle for me is like, it's, it, it kind of cheapens your brand and, and what you're about. You know, like I remember back in the day, it's within like 2010 or something when I first saw Nile was doing that. I was like, man, really? You know, you're kind of stooping to that. That's really what it's about, I guess, you know, is you could say, A, Carl Sanders could be, fuck you, I don't give a shit what you think, you know, I'm making my fucking dollar and that's what I do. Or on the other hand, you know, the way that I personally would, would see it is that um, I'm not fucking making money of the shit anyway, so I want to keep it pristine and as you know, artistically perfect as I can. So I would rather um, just not have to deal with that shit and not think of that sort of stuff and see music, as I said, rather pay some more cash, enjoy it, do it the way I want to do it, do it, you know, perfectly or as perfect as you're fucking able to afford, um, and and just relax about it rather than trying to get all hustly and creative and get blood out of a stone, which it really fucking is with music a lot of the time, you know what I mean? Well, Discord was a serious stone to be squeezed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I can see that. But we were pretty much just wanted just more money to live day to day yeah, just for yeah, fun. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I can see how that's a bit crazy because a lot of bands do that, like big bands mm. pumped into a guy at a gig and he said, I said, oh, what are you doing here? Here for the show? Oh, I'm getting a drum lesson upstairs <laughs> at the gig. I'm like, whoa, really? And I didn't even know that they were available. But I think in this instance, he hit the guy up personally. Mm, mm, and, you know, in that case, I'd probably do that for someone. But, yeah. yeah, you do see a lot of guys advertising. And unless they already do the clinic thing, it is a bit strange when you mm. see I'm in town this weekend and give lessons. I see it as like I would rather just give that guy a lesson for free. Then, yeah. then charge twenty bucks for it, you know, and and you you know you could see how that could go either way, but I would rather be you know so if someone asked me send me that message that same message rather than me thinking you're cool man I can help you out it's it's probably going to cost twenty sort of bucks you know what I mean I'd rather say look hey man I, you know I can only do it for twenty minutes or something but yeah I'll do it for free you know because because you know I appreciate you having interest or you know the fact that you want to actually ask me about it you know. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I just don't, th to me, I see music as something completely more and more. It's going to think it's, it's a separate thing from money. If you want to think about money, get it somewhere else. Music is something where I can be in this other city in another fucking country and hang out with some people in the house and then give me some fucking beers. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's something you can't pay for, man. If I was some random dude, no way in hell I could, you know, or you'd be paying for the nose for it. That's something that was just invaluable and you can't fucking quantify the value of that. 
And that's what you get from music, to my mind. You know, it's, it's the connections, the personal contacts, you know. Get many cool, many cool people hanging out and having fun, you know, that sort of stuff. And so, to my mind, don't cheapen it with, with money and, and try and get that as part of the equation. Treat it as something separate and just be as, you know, um, deliver as pure a vision in that sense as you can. Like, do the, the music as perfect as possible. Figure out the money, other stuff some other way. Because it's much easier to make 100 bucks out of your job than out of music. Yeah, and I guess if you look at how much it costs in flights and time and stuff just to get to that one city <laughs> to spend yeah. the yeah. very little of your time there. Like, I mean, when we went through the UK, we are in Dublin for, I think, like maybe 15 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. And, and half of that is the show. Yeah. And so you think, fuck, like, how am I going to see this city that I may never go to again mm-hmm. in in four or five hours, you know? mm so, yeah, would you want to use it totally, up with man, some strangers and shit? That is completely my philosophy from here on in with music is that, to me, it's a vehicle to get to other countries to meet cool people, to be able to, you know, as I said, luckily my situation now is when we're, I make a ton of money in a small amount of time and then there's no work for me for, you know, a month or something like that is the way that kind of works. So I my vision is as much as possible to travel around the world, play a show, hang out, you know, actually get to make those you know solidify those connections you have because you know so many people are meant around the world that are cool people and like man i would love to take a day to hang out with you and just you know have a coffee you know meet meet your friends you know come into your house and have some some drinks and that sort of stuff like develop a real genuine connection but you don't because you're off to the next city or the next show you know and as much as i mean there's only so much time and so much whatever in the world but the more that you're able to do that to like get out and meet those people that you you know you're a cool dude not that you're in this big band or you're this famous sort of person i i meet you and i like you and we're on the same sort of level let's hang out you know the more that you're able to do that and solidify that to me that's you know rock star or winning or you know the odds of your life whatever people talk about it's not making a ton of money and being in a famous band it's like meeting real people having real times hanging out with them that's you know that's awesome that is success in metal, and uh, true words have never been spoken on this podcast. Then today with uh, Rigel, are we wrapping it up? No, not yet. Um, well, what do you got? Ooh, he's got some. He's got something. I do because you mentioned something about gear, gear before, and I'm wondering. I was talking to my flatmate this morning mm-hmm. about Jim actually, and about what is his bass rig for mm-hmm. tour because we always talk about the guitars on this show. So this little fucker here, this Kemper, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been eyeing up. Um, so Isn't that's it? that's a handy little digital amp that can be carried on to a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got, you know, the drum talk usually, backline. There's always another drummer at the gig, but it's yeah. pretty hard yeah. for bass players. Like, what does a bass player do on tour? We're pretty big on this because, you know, from New Zealand, uh, if we fly to Australia or within New Zealand, it, like driving is not really feasible. It's kind of possible to Wellington, but I mean... Um, for example, we've got a couple of shows we're doing with Colossus at home um, next month, and it's just the driving. I looked into all the logistics of it, you know, even with their five-piece band and we're a four-piece band, with the airfares, it's still cheaper to fly than it is to rent a car and deal with, you know, it's just ridiculous. So so flying is the way that we do shit, and what that necessitates in this part of the world, for those of you that might not be down here or have an awareness of it, is that everyone has a 20-kilo um, one bag limit more and more it's becoming not so much a weight it's one bag that weighs 20 kilos and you have one piece of um, carry-on luggage that is seven kilos and one small uh, additional item we are the masters of fucking without it <laughs> you know yeah. on this one here we had we figured out we had the four of us and we had 12 items of carry-on <laughs> That we had to figure out from there about how to rip them out and, and work it all out. And that, to me, that's a big one of um, come back to what we we're asking about the gear is figuring out something that works into that, you know, is not only is going to be small and light and portable, but it's going to fit in one bag, you know, it's not going to be like this little hanging on little thing, you know, six little tiny things as opposed to one thing you put in a bag. So, base wise, what I use is I have a, um, I bought these kind of like babushka doll, um, hard cases that all fit in with each other and I've got mm. one of them was big enough to fit my SVT7 head which I don't bring but I'm um, I will bring on certain you know it's a big show and I'm really not able to source a head or whatever I'll bring that but generally speaking I'll just go with whatever head's there you know mm-hmm. if you're creative enough and 
yeah, without knocking the instrument so much, I think bass, you've got a little bit more leeway on, on sound and, and quality that, than you have with, say, guitar. Um, but beyond that, I've got a little pedal board that I made that has a um, Boss TU2, a noise suppressor, NS2, and a uh, duck glass. Um, I can't even remember the, the, the word for it. It's the BK7, you know, the not the, the smaller one. Yeah, the microtubes, dark glass. Um, you know, they're not the smallest one, but they're, you know, the decent one with all the knobs. I think Jim's got that. Yeah. It's a really Which good works man. pretty fucking Great. Sick. You know, it's got all the, it's got a lot of distortion, but it's also got a lot of clarity to the, um, to the, uh, to the tone there. It's a really good pedal. So I use that and I have a Line 6 wireless, um, you know, unit that I use for that because I'm such a fucking unco gangly kick shit over cunt you know <laughs> notorious for it my band are pulling you know kicking out every cable and stumbling over everything so i'm big on wireless because it just makes life easier um and that's pretty much my rig is, is that there so i'll bring the pedals i'll bring the head if you know if we got a a decent support show say over here in australia i'd probably bring the head if i wasn't guaranteed one there but i'm really looking to one of those tc electronics they're, they're really portable, man. They're, a lot of those portable amps are becoming more and more, you know, guitar mm. as well. You know, like um, Joe's actually got one of those um, mini wrecks. They're like 20, 20 watts. And then, man, they got what, so much what volume. What brand? Which Mesa. one? It's a Mesa oh, yeah, yeah, mini yeah. rectifier. Yeah, yeah they're, oh, they're, man, no they're shit. awesome, man. They've yeah, got dude. everything you'd want out of a wreck and they're tiny. They're, they are totally on a plane portable. Yeah. Um, so so to, to me, it, it's a it's it's having a rig like that and it will depend on the situation they have. And that's what I'd normally bring is that and the bass. And you know cables, other you know, et cetera, mm. et cetera. But beyond that, it's it's really you know we're always changing that shit up. You know, for example, on this one, we've got these um, Sage side banners. You know what I mean? And they're on their own little cases, and so we had to like figure out how to kind of wrap them together in a way that looked like it was one thing. You know, so they could do that. So a lot of it is the hustle and the way that you can like hustle the the checking guy and you know that kind of stuff. You know, my our favorite trick is you know. You check in the bag, just kind of put your leg under it and lift it up a little bit, take a little bit of the weight off, you know, <laughs> things like that. We've like got that. lots of, or like checking all the bags and then they always tell you to go the oversized, um, you know, area and then just like stuff all the shit from your carry on in there, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. once you've already been weighed. That's classic you know, move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> classic pro move. <laughs> what about your get up? Do you wear leather or boots or anything like that on stage that's heavy to pack? Nah, yeah, I mean, I used to, you know, we used to be quite, you know, like on our first day we had quite a lot of spikes and that sort of carry on, you know, which now we're, you know, a lot more just t-shirt jeans sort of style but it is um it, de- it depends man like I, I like to bring some good boots but a lot of the decisions you make about what you wear on the plane as well mm. is that kind of mm. stuff and sometimes you like have a horrible plane ride because you got to wear this you know <laughs> ridiculous shoes or Ten some layers shit. of hoodies yeah, yeah. <laughs> full of your pockets full of fucking cables and yeah. shit like that you know so i do but but it is like it's a lot of those decisions i make you know you got to be really economical about what you're wearing and you know that sort of carry on there yeah, one word answer but <laughs> it is funny though because dicey rang me the other day and said hey man because we're going to japan is it next month uh, you find the dates now at uh, cleanupfriend.net. Nice. It is no, next month. Awesome. And he said, um, what are you bringing this time? Do you need, how about you leave your symbols at home and how about you let, you know, this and that, like what can you do without? It's, yeah. Well, it's because even when you're booking the flights, you want to include as much baggage as you're going to need because if you go over at the airport and you have to pay extra, it, it costs way more. So if yeah, you can exactly. factor it in when you're booking your, your flights online. and uh, I think it's a, like a unique thing to this part of the world, man, is, you know, like bands from America and Europe, they don't really have to, well, they've got one flight and maybe they're going to get raped on that one flight as far as what they pay. But, you know, then they've got 24 shows driving mm. that they don't have to worry about. Whereas for us, it's, if you fuck up, you know, if you fuck it up, you're going to get raped 24 times in a row. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean? you know? Yeah. So right. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a definitely a, a big part of being in a band is is learning how to pack. Effectively, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fucking Tetris gymnastics I've done in my pedal case that I carry yeah. on and just pretty much working out for a solid month just to be able to carry like 48 kilos in just a small bag mm, with mm. pedals and triggers and bloody all... Sh- and never say trigger in a fucking airport. Never say that. <laughs> <laughs> Never fucking thought of that. Did that on an international <laughs> flight and got some serious looks. I went, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't, because they all thought three dudes turned around and yeah. stared at me and were like, did he say trigger? No, 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 no. It's drums, drums, drums. And they're, oh, drum, drum. I'm like, oh, okay, fuck. <laughs> Louis Rando gave me tips as well about, um, I never take a snare on tour. That kind of, just shit like that. Really? that I'd oh, usually yeah. take a snare. Yeah. Because it's one of those personal things. But he said, man, it's all about the tuning. If you can just tune it. 
I can tune a shitty snare. Like he's just got yeah. it down, you know. He's played in some fucking shitty countries too, man. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's just all about those little tricks and yeah, I'm definitely better at tuning these days. And look, pedals are a given. You got to bring your pedals. Yeah, they're yeah, that yeah. most personal thing. And then yeah. I reckon next is cymbals. And I said to Dicey, even he said, "Oh, maybe you know you can borrow them." I said, "Look, I can borrow any cymbal, but I'll probably take my ride." Yeah, that'd be good enough. Just my ride, because yeah. when you're blasting and if the thing doesn't respond like yours yeah. does, yeah. you're fucked. Yeah. So it'd be like not having your own guitar. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's all about that fucking packing shit. Yeah. When you take your hand luggage through the um. The bit where you say trigger as well. Trigger. <laughs> Man, you got to think about what you got in there because these little Kempers that we've got, every single time you have to unpack everything yeah. that's in there, take yeah, your laptop yeah. out, take this out, explain what this is, take your belt off, take your shoes off. Because um, I'm, I'm, I'm the gadget dude in the band. I always got like, you know, everyone else in my band hates like Wi-Fi and internet and smartphones and stuff around the go. Like I was only on laptops and, you know, cables and chargers and shit like that, you know. And it's that same thing as well of... You know, when you're pressured for time, you know, having to to unpack all the stuff, you know, take the laptop out and get it back in. And it's a whole nother, you know, skill of being in a band almost, eh? I'm sure I've mentioned it on the last 20 podcasts, but I've taken my trigger module with me. Yeah. Not just the module, but the leads and everything that goes with it, the power. And I'm the most nerdy gear nut fuckhead in the whole band. Mm. Triggers haven't worked in a single country. <laughs> really? I plug them in. Everything's supposed to be good. Different power packs. Everything like totally sorted. I haven't worked once. Lucky I'm a beast on the kid. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's one of those things that I, I've almost got to the point where I've just given up on the fucking wow. things and almost bought a microphone because like bands like uh, Cannibal Corpse who are mm. that old school, they have certain microphones that sort of yeah. give that similar kind of sound. And I'm yeah. like, fuck, why don't I just buy a little microphone? Yeah, still relying on, you know, we're big on triggers just for that sole reason of kicks are so essential, you know, especially for our shit where it's like double kicks going over oh. pretty much every riff. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, to have that, you know, consistency of sound is, is, you know, really, really important. I mean, the whole, like our last album was all completely no editing, no replacing, just completely punch-ins and, and the natural jump sound. But, yeah, triggers, of course, you know, it's, mm. it's the way we, we kind of see it, you know. Yeah, well, uh, one way or another, yeah, even if you Fleetwood Mac have bloody triggered kicks, you know what yeah, I mean, if they yeah. want that that same defined kick drum yeah, sound because yeah. the kick is I know, such an important part of the actual sound of an album, yeah. even on, on any fucking style Especially of Especially if you're ever a heavy metal rocker, man. <laughs> What do you got? Maybe, uh, I feel like we should wrap it up. We've probably yeah. been talking for about four hours, but I feel like we could do this again, Rigel. So oh, we could. Uh, one I blame Victoria Bitter. Yeah. Few, I, I start getting all teary-eyed and waxing on about Can you get a VB in uh, Auckland? You can. It's fucking cheap as fuck. Actually, my like <laughs> local bar, they got what what's called a bum beer, oh, yeah. and it's VB wrapped in a brown paper bag for five bucks. Mm. Which is like quite a significantly cheaper than everything else. So like a long neck. Delicious. No, no, just that was uh, little glass tubby once, you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 Love I'm them. quite a fan of those bum beers, you know, when, when you're a little harder for cash, you know, like it's a bit of a refuge for the for the downtrodden. What do we have over there? Tui and uh, uh, D, DB? Yeah. Is it DB? That's like, they're the worst, man. They're the well, worst to it. Are they also the cheapest? Because that would explain things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. What's yeah. the other one? There's one more. Uh, no, that you think of Starlager maybe? What's the metal capital of New Zealand? Probably Auckland, man. Yeah. There's a lot of I don't know. There's a lot of uh, depends how cool you're talking. You know, if you if you oh, yeah. if you if you're looking if you're for an eight foot sativa, or <laughs> sativa, whatever. I can't pronounce the talent. Yeah, drunk. They're all from Auckland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, over there it seemed that there was just tons of melodic death metal, but like arch enemy style melodic death metal or deathcore. But that was probably the crowd rock. we were playing. Mm, pirate rock. <laughs> <laughs> Parati rock Heavy heavy pirate rock Hard yeah. pirate rock um, Yeah It kind of changed a bit I mean it's kind of like You know the whole um, Doom cult War metal sort of shit's Kind of been big And come and gone as well But um, It's just It's just like You know For for those of you Out there listening yeah, Who've never been to New Zealand It's like Pick the shittiest Small town in your city And make a country out of it and that's you know, pretty much what you get. You know, like, you know. Oh, come on. Without being too mean, you know, it's a reasonably good encapsulation because it has that same isolation and that same, you know, futility and sense of, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if 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 you if you wanted to be in a big, you know, whatever place, you probably would have figured out how to move somewhere else, sort of mm. thing. You know, so so it does have that same yeah, mentality and that culture behind it. So, so what do we do to wrap this? Well, can we up? play a dawn of Azazel song on our show? Uh, is this a point where I've got to like suggest one? If we're allowed to play one. Yeah, well, I have to talk to or, my. Um, we'll give you a sweet. I have to talk to our record label's legal department, mm-hmm. which is me. Yep. And uh, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> yeah, you got approval. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sweet as, come back. Yeah. sweet as, bro. What? Uh, what's the best song on for the new album? Probably. Fuck, man. Uh, Something with the hate, what's hate the one with the best analytics. What's the, well? Yeah, okay, that, okay. So what's the song got that's the best? Been skipped the least. What has the best analytics? Um, as last time I looked, and this one we actually. So news flash we're probably going to be doing a video for us and we go home oh you heard um, it here first folks is <laughs> in craigie <laughs> breaking news in our floyd's feet studio uh, would be the song damocles off the album the tides of damocles yeah. beautiful ripping thanks man and thanks heaps for uh coming on and sharing your awesome knowledge with us and all the listeners uh and what would be the best way for people to find out about you and the band their website addresses and emails and uh whatnot. yeah so so if you just type d-a-w-n dawn of a-z-a-z-e-l into google you know you know, facebook uh band camp and that'd be the only one you use like well, fuck you know instagram and all that other rubbish you know we try to keep it as simple as we can you know <laughs> So those would be the, the two. So yeah, just tap and door there so it'll come up. Cool, man. And, Any um, shows coming up as well? Uh, we're playing oh, uh, Love and Death Fest. Mate, no, don't have to yell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that a bit? Was that Sorry. a bit? No, Must no, be all right. those VBs I've had. <laughs> I blame, yes, it's that feral beer that you've been making me drink. New Zealand Death Fest? <laughs> well, speaking of VB, we're, <laughs> we're playing in Melbourne oh, yeah. um, uh, at the Love and Death Fest on the 29th of August. And we have two shows at home with... Um, uh, Colossus from Australia Everyone. are coming along with us as well um, in Wellington and uh, Christchurch on Christchurch is the 21st of August and Wellington is the 22nd I've got it right and working on some other stuff overseas which hopefully is going to be confirmed soon we'll see what happens with that um, at the moment so yeah that's it Sweet. Well, everyone should get along to those shows. We won't get to the August ones because we'll be in Japan, so suck shit, cunt. Oh, and <laughs> we'll, oh we'll, yeah. I'll be surfing on the boat once again. Crane of Thrones playing on a boat, I'll be there. Every boat we've been yeah, on. I think I hate every time you guys play on a boat. Roger's yeah. been there stage I'll diving and touching <laughs> the roof. Why are you going to be in Melbourne? It's totally random, but I think it's it's meant to be, obviously. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Ripping, dude. Well, when we see you in Melbourne in a few weeks for Hell on the Bay Festival, which you can find details of on Facebook.com slash Game Throne, we should uh, do another podcast version oh, yeah. two. Keen. Keen, bro. And uh, yeah, sounds... Keen as we should. We should. The the thing that we didn't touch on that I wanted to was the recording of the new album. So maybe we do that next time. Uh, wicked. Thanks, Rigel. Check out Dawn of <laughs> if you're, uh, Thank you very much for having me on. No Appreciate worries. worries, man. Pleasure. Thanks, apes. Uh, rock on. Enjoy the track and buy the new album if you're not fucked. Do it, cunt. 